square, Buck. Why, you're right, it's her. Little sky in and a ride in like the wind. Hello! Hello, and welcome to the first best of episode of the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast. You heard me right, loyal Scottcastigators. After 40 full, brilliant, spectacular, cutting-edge episodes of sheer broadcasting glory, the only logical choice was to cut together the best segments of laugh-inducing and mind-expanding audio gold into one nostalgic look back that will have you gasping for air and rushing out to tell your loved ones what they're missing. That's right. Finally, an easy choice for loyal Scott Castigators with a desperate need to share an episode of Scott Cast and a simple way to get your friends, families, and any and all Rolodex celebrities or minor influencers onto the Scott Cast dole. What's better than being a Scott Castigator? I'll tell you. Being a Scott Cast generator and helping Scott Cast spread our humor laden message, mostly focusing on the inevitable extinction of the human race to the ignorant masses. Pride, honor, prestige, and possibly a free item from the Scottcast store to any Scottcastigator who gives us a significant uptick in plays through sharing this episode. But enough promotional nonsense. You want the audio goodness. Our first clip comes from our first episode, where fan favorite Ian Dixon consents to donating his body to a cause largely ignored by the mainstream media, necrophilia. <laughs> You know, I'm all about donating my body to, like, <laughs> science. And one thing that I've really wanted to do, I've really wanted to donate my body to the study of, uh, what's it called? Chirogenics or Cairo? You know, that thing where you freeze? Yeah. I want to I, I donate my body to the study of the freezing of a body to be preserved for later resuscitation. Mm-hmm. I just imagine that is the, if you're going to donate your body to something, donate it to the cause of immortality. What if that See goes what wrong, though? What, wait, how could it possibly go wrong? Like, okay, you die. What if they bring you back and it's, like, horrible? Oh, and it's like, oh, yeah, and it's like <laughs> being alive again is a terrible thing. Well, yeah. you know, you could just you could just be like, oh, quit it. Oh, you guys got it wrong. Okay, you guys got it wrong. I apologize. You guys got it Just quit it. Just ah! You know, do something like that. Like, just be cognizant of that, you know? Like, if you prepare yourself for the whole time for it, then, like, you know, maybe you'll have the presence of mind once you're, you know, resurrected. So, to be able to state your opinion on uh, living some more once you get to that point. What if it's like, uh, what's that Metallica song, though, about... It was like the dude from World War One who, like, lost all his senses, but he was still conscious... Hmm. Never heard about that. I think it was called One. Okay. Like so, he, he lost. He lost. Yeah. His and so senses, but he was still conscious. They're keeping him alive because he's live, and uh-huh. you you can't just like let him die. He's a soldier. He's uh, tough shit. Okay. Um. But he can't communicate. He can't hear or see. And he's just like a tortured existence, and they're just keeping him alive. So like a, like a vegetable situation. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in a vegetable situation. So how? But what if that was what? What chirogenics uh, was? Yeah, and you're just like, you can't communicate that you want to die. Hmm. Well, like, I always thought chirogenics was, was they freeze you, and, like, so it's like you're in, a, you know, you're in a still state, your mind isn't working. And then, like... You assume that. I do assume that. <laughs> but I guess I am donating, so, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers, you know what I'm saying? 
So anyway, big old tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I was just interested in the idea of uh, my corpse consenting to something, and the only thing it would consent to is chirogenics research, so that I may one day live again and roam these hills. You know, I would, I would consent to being fucked. You would? Yeah. You would? What's, what's the reasoning not? behind that? Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not... I mean, it seems unsavory. I'm just, I'm just going to rot in the ground. Like, if somebody can get pleasure from my rotting corpse, that's awesome. I feel like there are better things for your rotting corpse to be doing. Like what? Fertilizing the soil? Amongst that. <laughs> like, Let me get fertilized, and then I'll fertilize the soil. That's too much fertilizing talk. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm thinking is, like... So, like, you're basically saying... Okay, once somebody's corpse is there, you know, there's either no value at all, which would just be, you know, using it as a placeholder for your spirit, like putting it in a grave and Mm. calling it that and putting it in a box and putting concrete over it. And like, okay, so there's no utilitarian value here. But you're saying a step up would be, hey, there's people here in this society, you know, who look at necromantic as more of a biofilm than a... B-movie, you know? And they're like, well, you know what? That's the kind of life I want to live. But they can't just do that. They, there's not... There's no... There's laws against there's that. There's laws yeah. against that. So, like, maybe if there was, like... Maybe if there was a consenting small group of the population that was like, okay, put it on, my, on the back of my license. If I die, I would like to be donated to the cause of um, keeping uh, necrophiliacs satisfied. Again, like if I feel like maybe maybe getting your heart because the issue the issue is consent, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose I suppose the issue is consent in that so, sense. I feel like the issue is something different when it's a dead person. That's the thing. Like if I consent before I die, then who the fuck cares? So, but like, are I mean, you consenting may- to be like in general, or do you have a specific necrophile in mind, or should it care. be a necrophile who has not committed the crime? Because I think the the problem is we have. Well, I don't want to get into religion, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that yeah, that's the the problem is it's like this idea of like kind of desecration of a corpse. Yeah. So your belief there's some sacred like oh spiritual thing and I don't I don't believe in that. You know, so you know, you like don't do I don't give a fuck what happens to of me. A corpse. You can you can cremate me and spread me around wherever um one of my <laughs> I won't name any names. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good story when so, when you have to start with that. <laughs> speaking of like my my uh my class of of I'm trying to think of a better word than f- they were friends. Your peer but group? They were they were uh, they were deeper than that. They were. I mean, deeper than that. Yeah, they understood me. Oh, your co- like your my uh, oh jeez, uh, what's the word for that? Mm, your cohort. No. Sure, we'll go with cohort. I guess no. it's really a it's the worst word we could have picked. Yeah, your your band of fellows, your fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anywho, yeah. So the group the group in high school we uh, we debated this topic. You debated what? Wait, 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 which part of the topic? Um, whether necrophilia should be something you well, can donate we, your body to? Or I not? mean, it was a Catholic high school. We talked about afterlife and all that bullshit, and um, we all kind of had similar ideas about not really feeling that, and what would we actually want for our after our what would happen to our bodies or whatever. And so, one of the prevailing ideas in my group was um, it would be awesome 
to be cremated and have our ashes put into baby food. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Wait, wait, wait. Like, I, I was like on board, on board, on board. What? Why? Because they're allowed a a certain percentage of contaminants. Okay, so you, so you want to And it be... would just be so... Uh, so I'm... you're saying the FDA currently allows a certain percentage of contaminants, and, yes. and what you want, what you'd like to request upon dying, according <laughs> to this, is, is I would like to be a part of that percentage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just sprinkle me in a thousand baby food containers. Precisely. I want to go on, and I want to go on the youth of America. I don't want to... Yeah. I want to go on in the in a in a puddle of water by being spread over the ocean. No, put me inside the next generation <laughs> so I can live amongst them and breathe and love again. Exactly. Live life. Yeah. You got to respect Ian Dixon, fan favorite Ian Dixon for being able to come forward with such a such a intelligent but insane way to have his body spread out after he's dead. You know, that's and that's what Scott Cast is all about. It's all about having the weird opinion. It's all about thinking outside the box. And we like to think outside the box, and we like to have the weird opinion, and we like to give good advice, too. So our next clip comes from somebody seeking love advice, and we give them the Scott Cast take on what it means to be a lover. I've got a couple more emails. You did. That's right. This one just came in fresh off the presses. Fresh. This this person, it's a long text. It looks like they need a lot of help. Dear Scott Cast, I've been on OkCupid for about three unsuccessful, humiliating years now. Oh, dear. Uh, that's too long. I've been nothing but honest about my quirky habits, geeky hobbies, and rather vaguely anemic appearance. For whatever reason, it hasn't been a hit with the ladies. Although it would be a stretch in morality, I'm considering putting on a hypersexualized bad boy facade. I hear this is what attracts women. Mm-hmm. Is this wrong to do? And if not, have you got any tips on how to portray my new image? I consider you the baddest of the bad. Who is he speaking to? <laughs> I think it's Ian. <laughs> Sincerely geeky to freaky. Okay, so this person's not a this 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 person sounds like a like a total dweeb. Yeah, you know, especially if they're appealing to one of us. <laughs> so not the the best sources to go to for lady advice. No, no, no. I I, have, I host a podcast. <laughs> Let us think about this for a little bit, and while we think about that, we're gonna come. We're gonna circle back to it. All right, freaky to geeky. I've, I've ruminated enough on what you need to do. So you've got the answer. I have the answer. I have exactly what this person. Here's your problem, freaky to geeky. You need to get off of OkCupid. You need to stop thinking about dating. You're done dating. You're not gonna have a girl. You're not gonna have a partner in life. You are so low in life, and that is an excellent thing. That is freedom, my friend. That is not needing con- to conform to some woman's conceptual identity of some sort of God. If you decide to become some sort of bad boy now, that's the least bad boy you could possibly be. That's, that's nice boy wearing a leather jacket. That's all that is. Because a real bad boy, like Scott, like Ian, does stupid things that are designed to just... 
totally, how do you say, repel the opposite sex, like podcast. <laughs> and that is the only true freedom. And then if a lady should come up to you and say, you know what, I dig your voice, I think you pod so smooth, Scott. You're Ian. Well, not Ian, Ian's taken. Don't go up to Ian. <laughs> that is the only time you'll know. OkCupid can't provide any of this. All OkCupid can provide is a website address that points out how thirsty you are. And that is the Scott Cast take. You're welcome, Freaky to Geeky. That might have been what worked for me as I... I presented the appearance of not caring. Yeah, I just threw it all to the wind. Maybe at the time I didn't care so much. I was just kind of wanting to meet people. I wasn't putting any pressure on it. Just shooting pool in some back alley bar. But uh, I was just being me. I I think maybe part of what's his name's issue is being a little too upfront and maybe presenting the appearance of being kind of anxious about it. Okay. Okay, that so actually sounds like good advice. It's not as much like throwing out the bad boy persona and being a dick, but maybe just being comfortable with you. Just be you. Comfortable in your own skin. That's kind of what worked for me. I kind of um, passively was maybe a little bit hypersexualized, but not really. Um, just my screen name. <laughs> what was your screen I'm not going to pronounce it on air. Can I read it? But it was a it was a Frank Zappa song. Okay. So it was it was like a nerdy thing. It was a Zappa reference. But I'm gonna play you just the snippet of the song here. So there you go. That's how you do it. Just be relaxed. Be passive. Hypersexualized asshole. Passive, comfortable in your own skin, but totally mention if you have a huge package. (laughs) That's only two good things for you. Ah, we're going to get our listeners laid. (laughs) (laughs) I sure do hope Geeky to Freaky eventually found love. Or didn't. You know, being solo is pretty sweet. So let's hope he did that, actually. I'm sure you'll live a much better life uh, all alone uh, somewhere in his house watching TV and listening to Scottcast. So for this next clip, uh, I decided to invite uh, the underdog David himself on. And the underdog David himself loves to talk science with me. And I love to talk science with him because when I talk science with him, I think about all the different possibilities of Scottcast. Not only the possibility that uh, we can make Scottcast a more popular medium, but also the possibility that we can make it last as long as humanity itself will last, even beyond how long humanity will last. And here we talk science. I was telling my friend, baby making isn't necessary in about a generation. The rich will be cloning and genetically modifying their children for positive traits, creating a feedback loop that will not only create a wealth gap between the classes, but a genetic one as well. The rich will learn better, live longer, be immune to more diseases, while the poor will struggle along in genetically inferior bodies like French bulldogs wheezing and plugging along on daily tasks. Eventually, the rich and the poor won't be able to breed, and the rich will merge with technology, and the poor will either be consumed or ignored, creating two separate species, a godlike one and a prehistoric one. The godlike ones 
will be revered, and the prehistoric ones will create monuments to them, like the pyramids. That sounds like the same old stuff, Scott. You know, same, same old stuff. <laughs> Just a different flavor. Oh, yeah. Same old thing. You got the, but the, the vibe there. So, oh, interesting. But the yeah. point is... There's a point? The point is that I, I want to be uh, the, the best podcasting host possible... And I'm gonna I'm gonna get some I'm gonna get on get in on this genetically modifying game. I mean, you might as well. I need your I need your assistance and your advice to getting started. Oh, I'd be happy to help, Scott. So tell me about it. Tell me what I can do. Okay, so that was a bit of a bit of a sentence there. That was almost like that kind of <laughs> sentence you would read in one of those novels. <laughs> you know, it was one of the long-winded sentences you'd read in one of those novels that you David would Foster Wallace. Yes, yeah, great name by the way. It's a great name. Wasn't David Wallace the guy from The Office? Half the people you listed sounded like people from like uh, from like TV shows. I was like, "Is this real?" <laughs> yeah, they were all real like, authors. Like James Joyce is like Jim Joyce. That was the guy who like blew Armando. I've never watched Gallagher. The Office. Oh, it's not from The Office. It's from uh, the Tigers. He blew that one guy's uh, perfect game. It was the oh, co- that's it was right. Um, it was umpire who like effed up, and he said he was safe, and he was like crying afterwards. He's like, "I took away that guy's perfect game." It's like, all right, all right. So, what are we talking about? I'm trying to get some information, some inside scoop. How, oh, how, do right. can, how can I become a genetically superior being so I can podcast better? Okay, Scott. So uh, kind of going into the human physiology aspect of it, you can, there's yeah. two ways you can go into it, okay? You can look at it from the way that we're going to modify ourselves biologically, mm-hmm. like physiologically, or you can look at it from like the way technology is going to approach it and modify us, okay? Let's start with the biological aspect okay okay first of all you're going to want to look into a little thing called epigenetics okay epigenetics epigenetics what's epigenetics it's like epic genetics without c no what is it oh what is it literally (laughs) well what it is is it's so basically um our bodies our dna has every piece of information that it would ever need for like all of the all of the mammal the mammal kingdom in there right if it wants you to be a rat, it express, expresses the rat genes. If it wants you to be a human, it expresses the human genes, right? Right. So we're no different from the mice that we test on, Scott. But Wait a minute. Oh, I have a question now. Does it just come from the spring of my mind? The wellspring of my mind. This is live potting, folks. Live. Does this mean that of. there's a finite combination of living beings? Um... There is subtle variations, so like there is like you know like a certain percentage that's different from like separates us from each of the other mammals. Uh-huh. But for the most part, like if you look at like throughout history, you know it's like there's there's ancient you know mutations that we have within our, that are locked within our genome that just are not expressed, and certain things that are like vestigial on us, for example, mm-hmm. are no longer expressed as much. Like you know like there was probably other vestigial things we had too that was just kind of opted out. But if we wanted to get it back. Maybe something, you know, there's some kind of environmental change and our bodies have to adapt. It's still in there. The potential is still kind of locked away. Uh-huh. So what you could do is you look into epigenetics, you could look and go through that. We've already mapped the human genome. Okay. But we just don't know what everything does. Okay. You can start. I mean, that's like, you know, knowing where all the switches are at and just like, you know. It's like pressing all the buttons on the elevator, okay? Or it's like yeah. it's like just switching. You know, you, you lose power and you go to the circuit breaker and you don't know which things flip forward. You just start flipping things randomly, okay? You gotta know what each one does. You gotta have labels that say this goes to the living room. This goes to you know your. I have whatever, an idea. Right? I remember a few episodes ago. You're a loyal listener. Remember a few episodes ago when I was talking to Ian about his cat and how we should clone a mass army of them. 
I do. Jonesy? Yeah, Jonesy the cat. Can we experiment on this cat? The thousands and legions of clones that will eventually be created. So what, what are you saying? That you take like a bunch of bunch of Jonesies and you use each one of them and like you test out almost using like lab rats? Like just... Yeah, here's my thought. Okay, here's all right, my all thought. Here's all right. What's your thought, Scott? The evil scheme is that I will, I'm creating this company uh, that will clone Jonesy, Ian's cat, which is a very well t- well-tempered cuddly fun cat you can wear him as a scarf great and i'm going to mass produce this cat not like we wear him as you living son of a living <laughs> like like you just put him on your shoulders you and use the out. leftover ones as scarves whatever <laughs> the ones that don't work out this is this is an evil plan but it's not that bad it's so bad now no, no. it's already evil before you even started explaining <laughs> as you tried to like pointing out in, in an endearing way about this cat that you love <laughs> Maybe don't be also like Hannibal Lecter about it. Uh, okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. So we're gonna have a large production run, and there's gonna eventually be an oversupply. And once there's an oversupply, we're gonna start using these this oversupply to secretly test their genomes to fi- find out. Okay, what makes Scott live longer? What makes Scott right. stronger? Turn it what on. What makes Scott not need to sleep so he can pod twenty four seven? Actually, be pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, that would be the best thing. You know what's funny about this is a little tangent, but like we don't even know, like we know that you do certain things. Like, like I mean, I used to I remember when I was lecturing back in you know my university days, and it's like people like my anatomy students would like ask me like, why do we cry or why do we laugh? And I'd be like, I don't know because rhythmic like laughing, rhythmic like contractions of the diaphragm make mm. you feel good and give you a dopamine response. I don't know. Like, why do we sleep? Why do we dream? You know, like that. Why do we dream and do that kind of stuff? Very simple processes. Why do we smile? You know, it's like it's a it's just built in, right? It's not like language. It's body language, right? Yeah. So it's like you know that's really interesting. So like, what if you can knock out the sleep part of the genome that says? What are the consequences? Do you think that would be? Yeah, I know we don't know because we don't know what it does, but it's like yeah, untapped potential. So it'd be really interesting to see what happen if you could knock that out and maybe knock off some other things too like what if we took the like because you have the it's like built into your you know genome uh part of it's related to your actual you know biological structure with telomere links and everything like that whether or not you're going to age but it's actually kind of built in the aging process is kind of built into our bodies what if you could knock out all those processes that make you age mm-hmm. thus making scott immortal 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 potting machine this is what I'm talking about. This is why I brought David on. This is the key to getting Scott Cast to most mm. greatest of all time goat podcasting glory. Yes. I will be the podcast that would, that always was. It doesn't matter if you're even that good. You're just going to be around longer. Just through, <laughs> through attrition, you're going to wear down your competition. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know. I just imagine. Okay. Let's say I'm immortal. I'm immortal. That's an interesting forever. concept. Okay. So let's say I have that in the bag. So. In 70 years, I'm going to be potting more than anybody's ever potted. Prolific. And people are going to treat me like an Academy Award-winning lifetime winner. And since I'm immortal, I'm just getting started, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like <laughs> barely even the tip of the iceberg. That's right. Yeah. So that's my strategy with Scottcast. As many Scottcasts as possible, as fast as possible, and for as long as possible, eventually Scottcast is going to be the best broadcast ever created well, that's step one okay so step one is well, step one is immortality 
I love talking science with David. It's so much fun. But even more fun than talking science with David is talking literally anything else with Ian Dixon, fan favorite Ian Dixon. And in this next clip, we talk about one of the most famous Canadians in the world, Ontario Man. Let's bring it back. Let's let's get light and let's move where to do another you, part of the world. Where do you go, Ian, when you want just pure bliss and happiness and peace and contentedness. What country offers that for you? Oh. What country offers the best human beings? Let's let's go to Canada. That's exactly where we're going. Ontario, Canada, to save us from this dark filth. We have a man from Ontario who we will henceforth refer to as Ontario Man. <laughs> oh, an Ontario Man is going to be the savior Scott Cass has always wanted. Ontario Man finds live World War I-era artillery shell in neighbor's trash. It was solid brass and I knew it was old, says Ontario Man. <laughs> God, I love Ontario Man. He's a, he's a good... He, like, he's a, like, if this guy came up to me in, uh, like at a store and like smiled and nodded at me, as he walked by, like mm-hmm. a, like a little, little nod of, of of approval and a recognition as a fellow human being, I would I I would feel probably good for the rest of the day. Uh, there's going to be a picture posted on this on the episode description to just show Ontario man. I like that he's got his his tall boy in his hand. He's got his tall boy. He's got a pretty stylish mustache going on. <clears throat> That's great. Yes, and and he's and he's shaved besides on uh, yeah. on the head. He has his eyebrows still. Stately eyebrows. He's just he's just a good, solid individual, and he found this. But world. he had that done legit. He didn't break into a great cuts. Yeah, like this guy. <laughs> this guy knows that if he needs a haircut, he can just do it himself, and he can just use like a Bic razor. Even there, you go. You know, you can get that at the RCBS for real cheap. So this guy finds a live shell, a live bomb, in a neighbor's trash. So what do you do? When you find a live bomb, Ian, what do you do? There's one thing you do. Go to the beer store. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what you do is you call the police, tell them there's a live bomb here, and on their way, spend the time walking to the beer store and getting yourself a six-pack because you're obviously not getting to your doctor's appointment anymore. <laughs> That is, it was his excuse. Let's see. Let's get to that point. So my my question is, <coughs> how did it end up in his neighbor's trash rather than like, I was mowing the lawn and I ran into this thing or like, oh, I was digging a something and I ran into this thing. It's like, it's in his neighbor's trash. This is what he says. This is what Ontario Man says on this subject. Why the, posed the question, why would they have an artillery shell from World War One? He, Ontario man says, and I quote, No kidding. How does a hundred-year-old bomb make it from a hundred years ago till today without blowing up? Just like, where the hell has that bomb been in a hundred years? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a military shell that should have been found in Europe that you dig up in the farmland somewhere. Not here in Canada. Anyways, the police told me I broke two records. I found the biggest bomb by a civilian... And I found the oldest bomb by a civilian, a 90-pound shell two feet long. And they said it had a dynamite power of 24 sticks, and it was very hot. 
Ontario man. That's just that's beautiful. It's the most wonderful thing. So this this guy is just a gem of a human being. He finds the shell. He knows what to do. He calls the authority. He knows his being right there at the time. Is it that needed? <laughs> it's been in the trash all night. Yeah. You know, the garbage man's not up and down the street. Let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, uh, let's, uh, we have time to kill. Was he, how did he notice it? Was it, was he, like, checking out his neighbor's trash? I think he might have been checking out his neighbor's trash. <laughs> I think he might have been, like, scouting for something. Or maybe he had it and he, like, planted it over there. He didn't like his neighbor. Let me look into the... There's a there's a Reddit thread associated with this in all of these stories. So if you mm-hmm. wanted further laughs, go ahead, put Google that stuff in Reddit. Say, okay, so very first thing he says in the interview. Danny, what did you see in your neighbor's garbage? First thing he says, well, I wasn't garbage picking. <laughs> Obviously not. I was just taking the path through the backyard. When I stepped over my fence, I almost stepped on an artillery shell. Mm. He stepped over his fence and into the neighbor's trash. (laughs) And there was an artillery shell under his foot. Next to the bin. Yeah, I guess so. He must have put it there and he should have phoned the police right off the bat. And he knew what it was because he used to work at a bombing range. But so this guy, this random Canadian who just knows everything about bombs... And uh, it's like coincidentally, his neighbor is throwing out a bomb. Right, coincidentally, like I'm saying I think I'm, he had some kind of maybe he was like didn't like his neighbor, and he was like, "Eh, how can I get this guy out of here?" You know what? That's a good thought. That's a dark thought that I didn't think about. Like, what if Ontario man is evil and he's trying to get one over on his uh, neighbor? Yeah. But, you know, I imagine if it's something like that, and it's, not, it's so esoteric, and it's so rare, like, the police aren't going to charge somebody for not knowing There's what probably a better is. way to get rid of your neighbor, yeah. Yeah, like like planting, like, uh, pulling a Chris Hansen on them. <laughs> you know, you, go. You, you sneak into their DMs as a child, decoy, and you try to lure them to your house, and you have Chris Hansen waiting in the other room. And I can't believe this was a TV show. Like, there was an entire TV show based on leading people to do crimes. Like, baiting people to crime. Like, you can't do that with any crime besides pedophilia. Like, if there was a TV show that was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to provoke this person to the point where they commit yeah, a bank robbery. Like, like how, if you, like, where you conspire a bank robbery with a guy, and then, how, like... How many of those are they able to prosecute? Because it's kind of They always do. Like yeah, like there, like there's like an updated version on YouTube that he does because he still does this. By the way, he's yeah. been like doing the Chris Chris Hansen catching. I mean, better decoy fight. than like actual children, but exactly. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, that's not the part. I'm. But in terms of yeah, our, uh, <laughs> that's the way, not the part I'm. Uh, the way our our uh, legislative, not legislative, but our uh, judicial systems constructed, like that's kind of entrapment. Is it? Like yeah, you can definitely argue entrapment in a way. But I think it's a. I think what happens, they always describe it as uh, this organization, this watchdog organization, pairing yeah. with law enforcement. So law enforcement, I don't think, is doing. I mean, it's baiting. it's sort of the same as like uh, they're just on standby. Stings uh, when they do, uh, yeah, like drug stings. And yeah, stuff. I've seen stings in movies. 
So I suppose that flies. But like it just. But my thing is, it's like okay. So if its sting is good and the police use it, that's fine. And that's just like all the criminal justice stuff. That's good. Mm. But a TV show baiting criminals, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a, that's where it's weird. <laughs> it is yeah. Uh, like because you can't do that with literally any other crime besides pedophilia. Like you can't convince someone to join a heist for a bank and and lead them all the way to the bank until they point a gun at the teller and then arrest them. I don't disagree with it. So. It kind of makes me want to do that at that show, though. Because that yeah. would be a way better show. Than Scott Cast. <laughs> than Scott Cast and the Chris Hansen one. Okay. Where you lure people to do really high stakes. So you could be better like, at crimes. Like convincing people to do terrible things. Like getting bad nipple tattoos. Yeah, like I'll, yeah, we'll get people. We'll convince everybody. We'll just lure bait people to do bad things for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like we'll call it bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> this week on bad decisions, we get somebody to tattoo bat nipples under his armpit, and we convince another person that he's in the Riddler's gang. And that he's going to set up an elaborate trap in Times Square. He's going to get terrorist charges. Watch <laughs> this week. <laughs> We put more criminals behind bars because we make more criminals than anyone else. <laughs> that's how that. I think that would actually go over pretty big in this country. That would, that would that that would be that's that's P.T. Barnum level genius on my part. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I was Ontario man, and sometimes I wish I was Jack Horner, the guy who learned how to create dinosaurs from chickens. And in this next clip, we talk about the implications of his research and how they might be used in a militaristic way. Uh, Check out, as we talk, turkey dinosaurs. Jack Horner's got this experiment where he takes a chicken embryo. Yeah. And he modifies a few genes while it's in the whatever stage... It's before embryo or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. I don't know much about genetics. All I know is the research I've done to look into dinosaur cloning. But what he did was he flipped a few switches, and the chicken embryo uh, developed a dinosaur-like teeth and its tail, whip-like dinosaur-like tail. It's a poultry geist? Like poultry geist a little bit, but with dinosaurs. So poultry geist park. Okay. Yes. That's exciting. Isn't it? So we're that much closer. So if we're going to have dinosaurs in our lifetime, it's going to be a lot more like the Dr. Wu uh, making an Indominus Rex mm-hmm. than it's going to be like uh, John Hammond making a T-Rex. It's going to be very much someone takes like a chicken or an eagle or some stuff and flips a few genes and uh, lo and behold, a terrifi- terrifying prehistoric bird creature that's soaring the sky and diving in, attacking everything that moves. Yeah. Very clumsily. I know we don't do a lot of politics on this show. (laughs) But we're talking about that. But I feel like that would be a good move for the president to make, is to, like, okay that sort of research. Because then we don't have to do all this bullshit that we're doing with, like, pissing off other countries for no reason. What are all these tariffs we're doing with our trade partners that we have trade surpluses with just to make everybody pay more for shit and piss people off? Just make some prehistoric bird monsters 
and we can fight those, and we can have our war, and we do well economically during war times. That would be a perfect weapon for America to create and perfect. That's like, what I'm saying. Screw the nuclear bomb. The world can unite behind bird monsters. Here's the deal. For America doing this, I mean, what's our national bird? The eagle. And then we weaponize eagles? Badass. That would be the American thing to do. If you're, if you're not pro-war after we weaponize eagles, I mean, I'm sorry, you're not American. <laughs> like, you can be anti-war now that we don't have weaponized eagles. Yeah. Like, you can, you can, be, you can be total isolationist. That's fine. But as, as soon as we get literal attack hawks, you must be hawkish. So I'm going to announce my candidacy for... How old? You have to be like 35. 35. Oh, I can't quite make it for 2020. 2024... I'm announcing my candidacy for the presidency. And your basis? I'm going to unite the human race. None of this infighting about race and sex and nationality. All that's bullshit. That's the man keeping you down. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. power structure they use to enslave us. That's Just right. like the robots are going to enslave us. Yeah, the robots are going to use that power structure later. Later. To a better degree. So I'm calling for unity for all, all of humanity. Bird monsters versus the robots. We need to unite against the bird monsters. No, no, we're uniting with the bird monsters against the robots, right? It's going to be... Here's how it's going to go down. Okay. <laughs> you, got this, you got this written down. Ian's pulling out a notebook with a bunch of plans. You got your bird monster people, mm-hmm. and you got your robot people. Okay. They're both trying to weaponize those technologies to maintain the power structure that we have in place run by white men right now. As we can tell from our uh, our pop culture... Uh, what's the word? Pop culture references. Prognosticators. What? What's a prognosticator? <laughs> Dictionary.com. Welcome to the first Dictionary.com Scottcast break. I think that's exactly the word I want. Let's... To prognosticate, foretell or prophesy an event in the future. Exactly. Our pop culture prognosticators, Jurassic Park, they foretold the, the perils of genetic modifications or genetic... Uh, how that can go wrong. We're trying to bring back whatever. Right, chaos. Dinosaur monsters, bird monsters, whatever it wants to be. You got your Terminator, that's the robots. You got your, uh, your Blade Runner, it's the robots going wrong, trying to make them serve us. Those doorbells are going to rebel. Doorbells are going to rebel, and we're going to only have the bird monsters to defend us. No, we've got these two camps. They're both trying to oh, no, create man. these these advances that are allegedly going to serve us. We we need to but align inevitably, with one of these. Inevitably, they will rebel. Inevitably, one of them's going to win. And we got to pick the winner, and we got to be on their side. We need to unite to not be murdered by either one. No, we got to unite with the bird tellers. Because here's the deal: if the if the robots win, this is how they're going to process their win. They're fighting everything organic. There are actually I saw this on the Joe Rogan podcast, but there are actually robots that uh, run on organic matter. Dead people, right? That's the idea. Is you get dead people. On a battlefield, and you got this battle robot. It's just going to eat up all the dead people for fuel and go kill some more people for fuel. And mm-hmm. then it's just going to be an artificial intelligence fueled thing that continually gets better and better at killing and fueling itself. We got to align with something that doesn't have that ability to scale its powers. And right now, 
that's looking like the T-Rex turkey vulture. <laughs> like they, but that, also, that their, also wants to murder us. They show up, and they're awesome, right? And they're patrolling the skies, and they're taking their pick of the litter. But it's that's less one rational at a time. and less organized, but it also wants to kill us. I mean, it might be less rational and less organized, but it's easier for us to coexist, whereas the robot's just going to speed through us like, okay. like we speed through our fossil fuel reserves. It's sustainable for the for the birds to win. It's not sustainable for the robots to win, and we're not going to defeat them both. And if we are going to defeat them both, it's because we defeat them one at a time. We got to attack the robots with the birds, and then we'll figure out our bird problem. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you because I respect you because I know mm-hmm. you're going to win this presidential election, and I can't do I can't be president. I'm too I'm too much of a uh, too much of a too, I'm too handsome. <laughs> I'll get assassinated. Look at our most handsome presidents. They all got killed. That's true. You well, know, Abe Lincoln. Obama made it through. Oh, yeah. He's a good-looking fella. He's, he's, not, he's the youngest one, too. Wasn't yeah. it? And he didn't make it through. Shit. Hmm. There's a lot of people talking about assassinating him, but... But sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that really, uh, like any president. I suppose. There's always talk of that. Well. Uh, as Scott Cass doesn't condone that kind of talk. Absolutely not. No. We're all about... Like the big said, picture. Unity. Unity against the robots and then the birds. Also, I want to see these fucking birds. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care about cool robots, but this idea of, like, these dinosaur birds all of a sudden taking over and, like, what the heck is going on? How'd that happen? Like, we're all, we're all like, getting complacent with our cell phones and saying cell phones are the death of humanity. Mm. Like, how cool would it be if, like, we're just thinking that this is the death of humanity and then all of a sudden T-Rex vultures are flying from the sky attacking everybody? I'm like, oh, well, this is more pressing than that, all of a sudden. It's like people aren't going to be on Facebook dawdling their time away anymore. Not when the birds well, not are from out. your perspective, though. You just said that the robots are the bigger menace. They're the bigger menace, sure. But they're, they're not only are they the bigger menace logically. I'm just saying birds are cooler. They're going to be so much cooler to align with. They're like a yeah. cooler story. And they're much more sustainable in the long run. I would rather go into a prehistoric times with uh, turkey turkey burgers then uh then have to deal with uh, uh i'm i'm more scared of robots than i am dinosaurs is the bottom line of that mm-hmm. i'm not gonna fool around with with the robots because the ai scares me yeah it scares yep. me when i think of turkey dinosaurs i think of the end of civilization when i think of the end of civilization i think of times like pompeii and when i think of pompeii i think of pompeii news check out pompeii news with david plus a special guest appearance from one of our uh, longest feuding uh, fans of the show, Drew, from the Tim and Drew Show. Okay, we got some news for Pompeii. 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 Fun to say. Pompeii. Fun to say, Pompeii. I mean, it's been a while. It's been about 2,000 years since anything happened in Pompeii. Yeah, not a whole lot of uh, civilization left after that whole volcano wiped out their entire population. And that's what this news is about. There, there was a guy who was, who was just discovered by archaeologists. It looks like just the lower half of a skeleton. We couldn't see what he was doing with his arms. He was just chilling. Probably known this guy could have been caught in an eruption. Is doing that supine or is that... That is supine. Yeah, he, this guy was supine on he's the on ground. His, he's on his back. On his back. Doing God knows what when a fucking volcano, <clears throat> a volcano exploded and destroyed his entire civilization, and they found him. How how was he preserved? Uh, I guess he was preserved in the ash of the volcano. Yeah, 
like a like a dinosaur. So what makes this newsworthy? The fact that they found him and he was the skeleton was so intact. Yeah, the skeleton's t- perfectly intact. Well, it's not a big news thing because, uh, like, I've read books on Pompeii, picture yeah. books, no less, and they had pictures of people who were completely petrified in the ashen remains of the explosion, and it looked like what they it looked like their exact last moment of death. Like you could see their look on their face. They could you could see that they were just like. Some people were, like, running away, and other people were just giving up and, like, laying in their beds. Yeah. And waiting for death. Stuff like that. But so this, like, lends a little comical twist to that. That reminds me of, like, when they accidentally almost announced, like, that there was going to be a nuclear... Uh, a certain U.S. leader, name his name, announced that there might have been, like, you know, like, missiles launched and there was going to be a nuclear explosion. So they, like, looked at, like... People thought that there was going to be like a nuclear explosion in the U.S., and they looked at people and they like, "What were they doing in their last moments?" And like, oh, and like <laughs> they looked at a... the porn hub. Yeah. <laughs> they looked at like porn hub, and they saw there was a huge spike. <laughs> I think was that was that was that the president, or was that like a false warning on the Hawaiian government? That was the Hawaiian. It was the yeah. I don't know the exact details, but it was like it was just funny to see in that situation where everybody thought they were going to die. Yeah. <laughs> What did people do? Would they stop masturbating for a second? No. No, he masturbated more. They just furiously masturbated because why not? They're about to die. So that's what this guy was doing. We can't see his upper body. So okay. so when they when they found these people petrified, not from terror, but from literal petrification in rock, that preserved them perfectly. This guy was actually found like a, as a skeleton, right? So it's not not really petrified, right? Like yeah, and it was just a, it was just a fossil. It looks like we're getting we're getting like a call coming in though. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe 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 we're being abandoned. I'm gonna call and just be like, hey, you guys just give up. Hello. Hey. <laughs> oh, it's Drew from the Tim and Drew show, or as David dubbed it earlier, the Tim and Who Uh-oh. show. Yes, the Tim and Who show. Wait, the Tim and Who Wait, show. The Tim and Who Whoa. show. What? So I, I'm the, whoa, you know, man, I was not, shit, I was not prepared for that. Wasn't um, prepared for that dick in your mouth? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I mean, sorry if it's a little salty. Yeah, I he just, listened to your episode. Just, just, just had a bunch of words put in my mouth by Ian Dixon, so a little salty. Oh, oh, so, okay, yeah, so. Yeah, we've, we've, we've been discussing feuds all day, so it's, he's in fighting mode. Do you go by Dave or David? What do you prefer? What do you want I prefer the, my full name given by birth. David. Excuse the fuck out of me. You can, yeah. You're excused, fuckhead. <laughs> uh, this is going to be so censored. Um, <laughs> he, he's got a celebrity know. David friend, so oh, he's... Call me David. <laughs> to differentiate. I, um, you know, I tried to keep all this as under wraps as much as possible. David, I messaged you on Facebook. Did you not get it? I think I did. I just, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I, I actually okay. am that's very all busy, we, that's so all we I need probably to say. just didn't have time just to look it. at it. That's all we needed to say. Oh, okay. All right, let me... Scott, shut up. Moving on. I've got dinner fucking waiting on me. I've, I'm on a time crunch. Right, fucking right. a little bird told me you guys were recording, and I was like, I gotta swoop in. Another thing. I feel like I need to... Because actually, I was just listening to Scott Cast. I gotta say, I was a little hurt for Tim. You were hurt for Tim? Yeah. Do you, uh, do you really feel like Tim is holding me back? No... I just wanted to rile him up and see if he was listening. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> that's the best way. No, honestly, that's the best way to rile somebody up and get them to care is by saying you're not doing your fucking job. No, I don't. He's great. He's fine. You guys are all good. I don't actually hate any of you. It worked.
worked so well. Like I texted him earlier. I, I'm working on something which I meant to talk to you about. It has to do with big news, exciting news, exciting news that you are privy to. Oh yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. I've decided to to take it and run with it, and I'll, I'll tell you that idea later. I'll probably call you or text you later. Okay. Um, I sent Tim a picture of the the idea of what I was working on. Anyway, uh, he said, <laughs> "Look, asshole, you gotta let me in on this shit because maybe Scott was right. I'm holding you back." <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe someone but, took it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like the stuff, the the thing that I sent him. It's not news to him. I told him about the other day. I was like, look, I have this idea, blah, blah, blah. And then he replied with a totally different subject. He didn't even acknowledge it. So, fuck him. So you know it what? Is. Triggered Tim. You're right. Triggered Tim. Poor timid Tim. <laughs> it's timid Tim. Triggered, oh, man. shit. Sorry, Tim. This backfired. I just got the phone with him told him I was going to come on here and defend his honor. And I think I just fucking... It didn't really work. Really yeah. Fucked that up. I will end on this note. Um, I need to go eat. And uh, drink more. And then we're going to record and probably I'm going to try and upload it tonight. Just a quick, like, hour episode. But anyway, I want to end on this note. On behalf of the Tim and Drew show, to Scott. We do uh, have a... Okay. I, I, I want to apologize. <laughs> Monetarily apologize. By Monetarily the, by yes. plugging www.audibletrial.com forward slash ScottCast on your next episode. Repent. <laughs> well, if I do that, then I'm not going to apologize for what I was going to apologize for. Well, that's cool. Oh. Given. Well, no, I'm. I, I'm not. <laughs> I was going to apologize for uh, announcing your um, your newest sponsor that you stole. The idea that you stole from me. No. Well, I did a I did a survey, a quick survey of the Scott Cast audience to see how much of the how much overlap there is, and there's one overlap. What do you mean overlap? Overlap of what? Of audience members. There's one person on Twitter. Oh, that listens to both. Who listens to both and seems to be just like a fan, a casual fan of us. Who is it? I don't know the person, but I appreciate their viewership. Or listen. I, I've got some fucking... Uh, but mostly I came here for David. David, check your Facebook Messenger. I just yeah. accepted your request, like, literally right when you said that. So how's that for timing, Drew? I do accept it because I didn't... It was like, who the hell is this guy? And I was like, yeah. I don't know, probably another another freak, <laughs> you know? And I'm not and, saying it's wrong, but I'm going to accept it this time. <laughs> So. I didn't realize it was this freak. So, do you want me to like read it or something, or should? What do you want me to do? I see it's a bit of a bit of a paragraph. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, don't don't read it. don't read it yet. Just, okay, just wait till you're at home. You know, you're cuddled up. You're in your snuggie. You've got a warm cup of tea. I'm reading right whatever. now as we're talking. Oh, all right. Well, don't let Scott read it, and don't okay. read it to him. It's a surprise, Scott. You'll love it. Okay, so you're going on that note. Take all the Scott uh, Cast guests in one one episode, aren't you? You're gonna, that's why you're <laughs> okay. trying to get my mom in this. You're trying to get David in this and Ian in this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start throwing in a thousand guests on my podcast, and you're going to have to keep up with all of them for this idea to work. <laughs> got a dollar for every guest. We're going to make a thousand dollars. I got to go. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble by okay. my family. Drew, Drew I, I, me- I, mess- I saw your message, and I just I just want to say yes, yes. All right. Oh, so you so. <laughs> Okay. Ooh, Scott's got this look on his face right now. Oh, man. <laughs> this, this is, is fucking... exciting. So now the uh, Scott cast audience is uh, intrigued. Uh, 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 mystery not solved for Mr. Detective it's a, it's Sherlock. A, this is a valid point. I've got, I mean, I feel like I struck a chord. I, you know, I was listening to an episode and I was like, hmm. I'm going right, to well, go Drew. eat some uh, lasagna and drink some whiskey. Um, I will uh, send these to your way, Scott. And, uh... 
Yeah, you guys uh, have fun with the rest of the episode. Scott, Excellent. Don't uh, don't stress too much. I will. You should. I feel stressed. Good. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Timmy Drew Show. <laughs> okay, touchdown. I think we're hung up. Oh, well. He'll, he'll start talking if we're not. Well, that was interesting. That was great. A little random call from uh, the guy that I've, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, did we? Did we already? Yeah, Tim and who? Till now. Tim and who? He's from the Tim and Drew show. I'm surprised I Tim was, was the one who got uh, got offended. I thought Tim was the main star because his fame came first. Yeah, Apparently, this Drew guy is the shit. Apparently, I, I was saying Tim and Who show earlier, and then it t- turns out he and thinks we've been lambasting him upon the pod. Timid Tim is now triggered. Tim. My favorite thing about Drew from the Tim and Drew show is knowing that Scott Cast is better than the Tim and Drew show. Scott Cast is so much better than the Tim and Drew show that even when Scott Cast doesn't have a co-host and it's just me and a cat, Scott Cast is better than the Tim and Drew show. So check out this clip where I'm talking to my cat, Kyle. Oh, here's a sad story. Scientists say pooping creates the same amount of pain as childbirth for sloths. For the animal, the three-toed sloth, Kyle... Pooping is just as excruciating as childbirth would be to us, normal tetrapods. What, what do you what do you what say you to that, Kyle? That's absurd, Kyle. No, you're not a sloth. You're a cat. You don't understand that kind of pain, Kyle. You've never been in pain. You've only had a good life. I adopted you very young, and I've treated you well since. You are a good podcasting partner, but you're getting off topic at this point. I don't want to talk about Elon Musk right now. I know it's a popular subject. You can't just interrupt what's what to talk about Elon Musk. Stop it. Stop interrupting me. You're such an absurd animal. Okay, fine. What do you want to say about Elon Musk? That he's coming on to Joe Rogan's podcast? You like Joe Rogan's podcast better than my podcast? Screw you, Kyle. Kyle is the most tough co-host to work with. He interrupts. He's he's always advocating for other podcasts. His favorite podcast is the Tim and Drew Show. Stop talking about Tim and Drew Show. He likes Joe Rogan Experience. Pretty much anything besides Scott Cast, he's down for. My Kyle is so garrulous. He's the most garrulous cat there is. I love the fact that my cat is so garrulous. Anyway, the next clip is a much longer clip. It is one of the most classic clips from Scott Cast. It's probably the clip that I knew would end up in the best of episode as soon as I thought of putting out a best of episode. It's a clip about the end of humanity as we know it and how the sun will destroy everything in its path and what we will do to escape it. Here's a clip from Shovel That's Your Gift. I will admit that I may have had a problem with IPAs this week. You had a problem with IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried some new ones from, uh, I went up to Steve's there, and they got a pretty good selection of, like, the craft stuff mm-hmm. from around the, the nation. Okay. Especially Michigan, but um, other areas. I got, uh, what was it called? Fat Orange Cat, I think, was the brewery. Fat Orange Cat Brewery. And so they have some New England-style IPAs that were like 8%. 
and I got a four pack of like the the pint cans. Yeah, four pints. Four pints. Four pints of IPA. Um, and I've been in a weird headspace this week while drinking those. Okay, so like this is like not just oh you're having a drink and you're feeling a little loose. No, this is like you're having a drink and you're thinking of existential questions. I'm think I'm not even existential. Like just things I wouldn't think otherwise. Okay. We had that emperor and like I I was more clear headed with those. <laughs> I'm wondering what they did to this IPA. Right. It was delicious, by the way. <laughs> it was a delicious IPA. But uh yeah, I got it I got I got in some weird headspace and so I was I got home from work and it wasn't even a bad week at work. It was a pretty easygoing week uh-huh. as as community mental health goes. Mm. I was just kinda just like chilling out and had a had a couple beers and um what day did I text you? It was Thursday, Wednesday? I believe that was Wednesday, yeah. So Wednesday I had a couple beers and I got to listen to some Sun Ra. You gotta remember Sun Ra from episode 10 of Scottcast, Sweet Reads. From the book episode. That's right. Uh, Sun Ra's got kind of the, like, the Afro-futuristic, like, black people came from space and established <laughs> ancient Egyptian culture, and it's like the the future space utopia vision for the for the black race. Right. Okay, so we're talking about um, what are we? What are you saying? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. To, this is conclusive cast. I'm trying to summarize <laughs> Sunra. Sunra. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's where we're where we're misstepping unsuccessfully. <laughs> anyway, so I got to drinking these beers and I'm listening to some Sunra at home because mm-hmm. that's what I do. And I got to and I was watching the news maybe before that. And so all these things coalesced into like this this vision of like what are we doing? What is the world? I guess it got kind of existential. Mm-hmm. And I was like... You think about the future of mankind. Yeah, future of mankind. So what are, where are we at? What are we doing? What does the future hold? Mm-hmm. And right now, um, things are pretty fucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't get political here frequently, but uh, things are not looking good, right? Right, Scottcast listener, you know. It's a Scottcast listener. I mean, first off, there's a few, like, a few ways to look at the future. Yeah. Like, one, we know the future is definitely going to contain more Scottcast, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Two, we know Scottcast is going to become a more powerful medium. It's going to influence people. That's, that's like, also a good thing. I but think that's that's a little short-sighted. That's, like, immediate future. Well, I'm I was, talking, like... I was planning on Scottcast going on forever. Yeah. Well... Robot doorbell that could make it happen. That's uh, well, I'm getting development. You know, gotta gotta hire some engineers. So that's that's realistic. Yeah, because robot doorbell is not susceptible to climate change. Right. So you're saying climate change is a key to climate change is a big fucking deal. Okay. And we're kind of at the point where it's irreversible. We've already done fucked it. Okay. Even if we like did the right thing right now and tried to reverse it. We done fucked it. Okay. Are we doing the right thing right now and trying to reverse it? Oh, shit, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to eradicate the EPA instead. So basically what's going to happen, like, there's already irreversible damage to the ozone. We're 
we're experiencing climate change. Um, the last, I had a stat on this before, but I don't remember it off the top of my head, but like the last some number of years, it's five or ten, those consecutive years have all been increasingly hotter than the previous like 10 years. Okay. So where, where are we going with this? So we're like, it's, it's going, it's happening. Uh-huh. We done fucked ourselves. Uh-huh. Where, where are you going with this? The climate is, <laughs> the climate's ruining itself from an evolutionary standpoint. Darker skin folk are going to fare better than us lighter skin folk. Right, because when you're lily white like I am, yeah. you stand out, go outside for five minutes, uh, you get sun poisoning. Yeah, so, and we talked earlier about my, my witchy wife and her fair skin. That's right. Like, our offspring are going to die of skin cancer, probably. Just immediately. Just if, like, you've, if you've ever seen a, a pastier white couple... And, like, how white could our children be? They'll be translucent. Yeah, you pretty much... You Their guys, organs are going to burn in the sun. Yeah, you guys you guys, are, you guys are pretty much set up for success in any other century. But right now, yeah, we're... Our, our offspring are not going to fare well. So I was thinking, like, what's the future going to be? Um, white people who've uh, historically had the advantage because of, because of racist policies... Um, we're going to die off pretty fast, I think. Okay. So your offspring are so doomed to be eradicated It's by going to be advantageous to have more melanin. Right. Just because it protects you from dying from the sun. Just evolutionarily. <laughs> evolutionarily. It just makes sense for, for a higher radiated environment to have uh, more protection. Precisely. In your skin and the pigment. So, this leads me to a question. Yeah. You, you and Bronwyn, husband and wife, mm-hmm. you know, should you breed and create more progeny? Yes. Would that be immoral knowing, or at the very least believing, that, you're, that your children or their progeny are doomed to die a horrible, painful death purely because of the genetics that you gave them? Is it immoral? That's a good question. You're like you're like creating people. You're setting them up to fail. I think that's something to consider. I think uh, we have advantages in other areas, and maybe there will be some adv- advances that that can protect us from that horrible death. Suntan lotion, not the least of them. Well, <laughs> we might need something a little more drastic than that. SPF yes. two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think. Uh, I think we'd be good parents and that we have other qualities that that would make our offspring valuable should they survive. Okay, like tarot cards and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Brownwood's so, got the hookup on all these YouTube channels that they can check out <laughs> to use to predict the future and So I don't know that that would be immoral necessarily. Okay. Um you can but but how about this how about this yeah what about you guys have full knowledge of all this right and you can pass on traits like these these like nurture kind of traits mm-hmm. but do you need to be pace, pass, passing on nature do you, or could you do an adopted kid instead purely because you think your genes aren't quite ready aren't aren't quite ready for the next phase mm-hmm. in, in a 
history of life, world, world and life history? Well, that's a complicated question. Isn't it? I mean, like adopting kids. I mean, like if I had a kid, a kid, that's, like that's what I would do. Because that's I, like both things are true. Hmm. I mean, like yes, that would be fine. But also, there's the biological imperative to pass on our genes. How how imperative is it? Because I don't think I have that. I don't have that imperative to pass on genes. Well, like you, don't, if, you don't have to. Right. I don't have the bio. So is it biological then? That's how species survive. Is we we pass on our genes. Yeah. But so, but I'm saying I don't feel it. Right. So you, you feel don't, it. You don't have to have kids, but then your genes are gonna your your specific genetic uh, makeup is gonna die out. But we're saying it's going to die out anyway. Not necessarily. Uh-huh, because you've got tarot cards on your side. Because you can you can selectively mate. Uh-huh. So if you pick a partner who has more melanin... Well, you didn't do that, though. You picked the palest person you could find. I, I did not do that, no. <laughs> I made... <laughs> I don't want to say I made a bad choice. I made a bad choice. <laughs> So here's here's where we get to like is this racist? <laughs> if you selectively breed for survival, then melanin is an important factor in that. Uh-huh. Is that racist? If you breed for survival? Well, I would say I would say there's a few if layers you, to this. That's the thing. Like when you when you pick a partner, there's there's multiple things that come into it. Like and like only selecting on that, only selecting on breeding melanin. That's racist. What, that's racist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, maybe it was definitely some sort of prejudice, and like you're not taking into account like an individual's individuality because yeah. you're just you're just doing it based on one factor. Exactly. And well, my thought with all this is yeah of course like if you're in love with somebody and that's the person you want to spend your life with that's yeah. that's cool that's fine doesn't matter yeah but you gotta understand in a few years time just a few it's not far off mm-hmm. uh extinction events happen you know like yeah. in in paleontology that's the entire study is people think paleontology is all about oh cool dinosaurs no Paleontology is the study of the history of life from mm-hmm. well on to today, and uh, the big one of the biggest things in paleontology to study is extinction events. Yeah, and they, these things people are not nearly afraid enough, in my mind, of extinction events mm-hmm. and their possibilities, and like the possibility for them to come suddenly. Like, how long do you think it took for dinosaurs to die? Three days. Well, that's because I told you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, <laughs> like all the all the dinosaurs. Ooh, I just killed your fire. Yeah, all the dinosaurs pretty much died off in three days. What happened is that comet came down, hit the Earth mm-hmm. in Mexico somewhere or something, and it created a hole the size of Massachusetts, kicked up some dirt, and it heated up the environment to the temperature of like a pizza oven. <clears throat> For three days straight. And if you put anything in a pizza oven for three days, you take it out, what do you get? Charred mess. Crispy. Very crispy. And, like, just imagine putting all the living life forms in this in this oven. And that's what happened during that extinction event. And how long... And it just, just happened. It was yeah. just like... 
and I'm a dinosaur, oh, I'm pretty big, nothing can happen to me, got a big-ass neck, I'm eating leaves. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't touch me, you stupid uh, carnivore, I'm too big, uh, and I'm just going to get bigger and bigger, it's not going to be a big, oh my god, it's hot here! <laughs> What just happened? And then they're dead. Yeah. And that's all it takes. And and so with that in mind, like we right now human beings, as far as evolution's concerned, mm-hmm. we're not that evolved. We have a cool brain yeah. that has this weird executive functioning thing up front that's like different mm-hmm. yeah. in a way than a lot of other animals in the past. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, like, the dinosaurs, their brains were more geared towards, like, sensory. Like, they were good at right. smelling. They were really good at vision. You know, mm-hmm. they were like birds. They they had more of that kind of intelligence. We got this executive functioning intelligence because mm-hmm. we come from a completely different line of species. Right. That, because they were, like, all, like, little moles and little uh, whatevers at the time, they survived that three days. A lot of them were just burrowing or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's how they, they survived. Um, and so that's like, yeah, that's, so that's that balance you got to strike is like the natural, like environmental advantages versus, uh, those adaptability advantages. That's right. But we don't, we don't select mates based on that. We don't think about that shit. We don't select mates based on that, but I mean, you can easily choose like, oh, like I'm hanging out. I'm hanging out with my... Oh, wait a minute. It looks like if we breeded, <laughs> it would be doom. So, I mean, there's... A, like, and if, you, and if you're a couple that really wants to raise a child and stuff like that, mm. why not go for adoption? Raise up somebody who you feel like will survive the next upcoming extinction event that you predict. You know? Adopt- That'd be fucked up, too. Well, people if do you went to time. an adoption agency and you're like, uh, not that one. <laughs> This kid looks resilient. Let's 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 give him. Well, a people try. do that. People don't totally do that. That's that's exactly how the adoption process that's works. Fucked up too. You get you get reports on the parents. You, you're like, okay, what did this parent do? What did this parent do? Was this parent smart? Was this parent smart? Uh, did this parent have to, like like any crazy diseases? Did this parent have any crazy diseases? Like people get like lists of like data points of all these people before they adopt a kid. Like, they don't just adopt a kid because they're cute and they play football yeah, or something like that. They, they adopt based on, like, these, like, data sheets of biological information. And so, like, you might as well <laughs> take into account the next extinction event if you're taking into account whether they can earn a PhD. <laughs> like, because you, you've heard it in, like, media and stuff like that when, uh... When, like, you know, you go to a sperm bank or something like that in a sitcom, yeah. and they're like, I need, well, I'm going gonna, gonna to try to make a baby, and I'm going to go to the sperm bank. And, uh, oh, I want the NASA scientist. I think there was a Friends episode about this yeah. where where Joey, like, made up facts mm-hmm. about himself for the sperm bank. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's like the buffoon actor kind of guy. Right. And he makes up a bunch of facts about himself, like, oh, I was, I was, an, I was an astronaut. Oh, I was a... All these things, mm-hmm. you know. I was a PhD earning football playing astronaut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who earned a Nobel Prize, <laughs> and I'm giving and giving away my genes. And so, like people do that. That is a thing. So, like, is it my question then? With knowing all this, and 
like what's is it more moral to to breed with somebody who you know will create ineffective offspring mm-hmm. you know very crispy offspring <laughs> <laughs> burning the sun immediately yeah burning right. the sun immediately given the next extinction event or or do you or, or do you adopt like knowing this like do you just ignore it or do you get the snip snip because I mean, you're too white that's what I'm thinking about doing Getting the snip, snip. It's too white. You're just gonna call it off. No, no offspring. No offspring for Scott. Okay. Why do we need more Scots? I'm pretty much the best Scott. There I mean, could be. that's 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 fine a decision. You right. Don't, you don't have to procreate. Yeah, but I think given overpopulation, the world is completely overpopulated. There are plenty of kids to adopt. That Nature need is going to solve that problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> I want my line. Or my knowledge, at you're, least. You're not going to have a line, though. Well, it doesn't matter if it's a genetic line, but it does matter if, if it's a, a, if an it's intellectual line. An intellectual, spiritual kind of personality line. That does matter, because, like, nature versus nurture, okay. adopted kids, a lot of the time, will take take on a lot of traits of their adopted parents. Mm. You know, like their personalities and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of weird things, though, happen, like, mm-hmm. where they take on traits that you wouldn't think is genetic mm-hmm. handwriting. Yeah, like I knew somebody who was adopted, mm-hmm. and her handwriting was like her personality dead on with her adopted parents. Yeah. Like uh, her adopted parents were uh, like high in high in a company, you know, very type A kind of mm-hmm. assertive uh, kind of people, and she was a lot like that. And but her handwriting was a lot more like her parents, which who birth parents who weren't yeah. quite that kind of personality, but her handwriting spot on exactly like it. Like you could compare a note uh, yeah. to each other and, and like a professional forensics uh, mm-hmm. person would like look at that and be like, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, you get, uh, <clears throat> you would develop similar brain types based on genetics. Um, but, yeah, personality stuff is is more so. And that's the kind of thing I should shaped. be passing on. It's shaped in terms of behavior. Yeah, and that's what I should be passing on. Like, look at me. Mm-hmm. There's nothing here that needs to keep going. You know, I'm overly skinny. I got hair everywhere. Uh, that's basically all you need to say about me <laughs> <laughs> to really understand why. It's not necessarily needed, but hmm. my personality, I mean, look at, I mean, come on. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that this, this guy, this voice, yeah. this mind, man, this is gold. This needs to be, if, if, if human, humanity, mm-hmm. if humanity is going to survive the next extinction event, mm-hmm. they better have a brain like mine. You know, they better be thinking like me unilaterally or whatever the word is. You know, they better be able to think with all this excessive uh, creativity and vigor, mm-hmm. you know. But my body, no, no one needs my body. I can't even bend over. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have hamstrings so tight. Like, when I die, they're going to harvest my body to make bow and arrows. They're going to take the hamstring and it'll be the strongest bow and arrow in the world. You know, like I am a, there's no, I'm a genetic mess and that, and nothing against my parents. They were great. Mm. And my siblings, even they're all fine, but this doesn't need to go on. So, so maybe I'll adopt a kid. And like, I've never really thought about the sun being such a strong presence 
yeah. in uh, in the future with uh, the ozone or whatever yeah. and all these climate change facts. Because mm-hmm. I'm a kind of guy, I think two days in advance or a million years in advance, mm-hmm. you know. And you you don't know what's going on in a million years other than Scottcast is still going to be potting. <laughs> you know, that's all I know is that Scottcast is going to be going on these hundred millions of years later. Yeah. So definitively, my stance on this whole thing is if you're so worried about whether your kid is going to survive an upcoming sun apocalypse, mm-hmm. as told and foretold by Sun Ra, then get the snip snip. Well, and uh, maybe that's you think the, will be good. That's the optimistic conclusion of my uh, my drunken excursion there is that... It will lead to uh, a rise in, in uh, the word I want. It'll be a new society for, for the people of color who've been kind of subverted in the last how many hundreds of years. Right, and you're saying because of this crisis that... They will rise and they will explore the universe in peace forever. You think? As long as Elon Musk leaves his plans behind after he gets burnt alive. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't matter how it happens. Right. Right. But that's 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 kind of an optimistic I, I feel all right about that. Well, but you're still gonna make kids though? And like you're gonna be like, hey, you should be the you one know, I... you should see the end of the white man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how how immediate that's gonna be. Maybe our our albino child will <laughs> you'll, you'll, be able to mate with. <laughs> you deal with this kid. <laughs> I thought of it, but you deal with it. <laughs> I mean, because I, I love people of color. I just haven't fallen in love with a person of color. I happened to fall in love with with my witchy wife, and I'm I'm at peace with that. So, but why do you need to create? Why do you need to create another version of yourself, though? Isn't that like a form of selfishness that like, it is, oh, yeah. you need to make it this is. being that is us? I'll, I'll admit to that. It's like, come on, why I, do you need to do that? I feel like I have things to offer the world, and Bronwyn is my favorite person in the world, and we... I mean, and you guys can adopt a kid and raise it, and it'll, it'll have all the traits that you guys it hold won't. so dear. Because you're raising it. I mean, you, I mean, you gotta I mean, get it from an early age so that, you know, you don't let some other parents mess it up. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, stay tuned to ScottCast to see how Ian decides to appropriate. <laughs> Will he take all this information into account? Uh, next week. <laughs> I'll call you and Bronwyn. Be like, hey, did you guys decide yet? <laughs> What's the test look like? <laughs> positive or negative? Positive or negative? How'd it go? Did you guys conceive? So what's the conclusive what's the conclusive stance then on this that's a very what's what was topic. the question because we got kind of all over the place there. Well, I think the ultimate question really is uh, should you procreate? Like is it moral to procreate knowing that your progeny is going to be turned into a burn up crisp whether it's your immediate progeny, your direct children mm-hmm. or say your grandchildren. I don't know if morality comes into play when it comes to that. Why? Why is that the edge? Why is that the edge of morality? With like people have such, they're so guarded with their like they need to procreate and they need to make little versions of themselves. I don't get it. Like, why does it matter? 
Why does it matter well, that your kids okay. look like you? Definitively, uh, in a billion years, the sun's going to explode. Okay, so we have a billion years to write. Why would you want to write a write a story, basically, where in the a s- fraction of the time they're going to turn into a Rice Krispie treat? In a billion years, the sun will expand and swallow the earth. Right. And everything we've ever known will cease to exist. Unless we get off the rock. we got Elon Musk working hard. No no trace of any of our civilization will exist. Unless Elon Musk's... uh, Unless we do interstellar space travel, yeah. I'm sure we're going to get there. If we figure that out before we extinct ourselves, (laughs) 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 then we have a chance. But, uh, yeah, a billion years in the future, none of this will matter. So, what's the moral conundrum? The fact that I you're just cre- dark, sorry. You're, the fact that you're creating children who will, who before the, any of that even has a chance to happen, will burn to a crisp. Like, like basically in a hundred billion. How much? What was that timeline? Hundred billion years? One billion it's less years? Than that. It's uh, it's one to three billion or something. Okay, so one billion years. The the quickest amount of time. Yeah. Uh, human beings have been around for like Our sun will. Right, it will. Uh, it'll ex- expand and kill everybody. It'll lose all its fuel. It'll expand. It'll. It'll. Yeah. Yeah. Earth is going to be gone in a billion years, but humanity's only been around for two hundred thousand years. So if we're talking in a billion years, then so we don't know what's going to happen in terms this of is survival. Like, this is like turn one. This is like this is like the first lap around we're doing right now. And so, and you're like dooming your children to be burnt up like no, bacon. No, no. I'm saying you're you're reading into my words here. Well, that's the point. I'm saying, <laughs> in terms of survival, survival of the fittest, right? Right. The most moral thing to do would be the societally least moral thing to do. It would be to fuck everybody. Was, was like literally have oh, sex with oh, everyone? Okay. Make as many progeny as you can. The most mixed gene pool. I don't. I don't agree with that either. Overpopulation <laughs> will mess things up. Mess up the gum up the work. If, like it depends. What what scope are we looking at? What do you if we're looking, scope? if we're looking like uh, long term evolution, you want to spread your seed. You want to make as many offspring as possible. You, based on my projections of what's happening with the the. Uh, the ecology, mm-hmm. you may have better luck with folks with more melanin. Right, because the sun is not, not going to explode, but it's going to be... It's going to give us cancer, harsh. probably. So you need to have the tools to, to yeah. live in that environment. And melanin is one of those tools. But, yeah, in terms of, like, what's what's moral? What are we talking about moral? Is, like, the survival of the species... I mean, like here, there's a few, there's a few layers. I mean, I don't think survival of your specific genes. I don't think any of that's specifically moral. I think survival of your specific genes, that's totally not moral because there's so many dead ends mm-hmm. in terms of that. There's so many people who never have kids. There's so many people who never spread their seed in that yeah. kind of way. And that's no big deal. Uh, but there's also, so you're saying like <clears throat> procreation at all is immoral. <laughs> You're I'm, saying every, we should just die. We should just give up. I'm saying we're the first species <laughs> in existence, in life existence, that on record, in the fossil record, and any record that has the ability to comprehend 
Okay, we're we are on this point、mm-hmm. in the evolutionary plane.、Mm-hmm. We are at this. Dinosaurs were over here. This is what happened to them,、uh, and so we have this knowledge. Now, what do we do with this knowledge? Well, okay, let's 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 curate、mm-hmm. ourselves to be better fit to face our upcoming challenges and stuff、yeah. like that. So. Like, is it like, is it immoral? Here's the question: <laughs> Is eugenics immoral? <laughs> it always comes back to Hitler. <laughs> Shit. Maybe you're right. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I think you. Well, yeah, no, you're right. I think we're dealing with a few different topics. I think eugenics is bad. Eugenics is pretty bad. I think even if you're definitely eugenics in like Hitler form is bad. That's not even that doesn't even you make sense. You can't force people to mate in a certain way. Yeah, I think you're right in that. Even even with free will and f- like free options, like if we if we used.、Uh, Genetic viability as a as a task like there's like a, this, yeah like a, there's a commission like formed by the government that's like you know what, if you were like you know our you and I could mate and our our offspring would be more likely to survive in these projected、uh, circumstances that's pretty fucked up still too yeah so I think nobody should mate because <laughs> <laughs> the future doesn't look great. <laughs> And we've got plenty、like、said, of people. At some point, I think we should clone. Everything is going to be, be cloned, destroyed. Oh, <laughs> and then all this will matter. I think we should get, move just do what、it. you want. Fuck who you want. I'm all for a brave love, new world style. Free love. Just do. Oh, not free. What do you? <laughs> like you, you keep giving up on the topic. Like you keep giving up on. Well, no, I.、Idea. I Free love, and then like you should follow your heart. Like I chose Bronwyn as my partner, and I didn't think about、uh, potential extinction events when I did that. <laughs> I just like we had a connection, and I I stand by that. Well, that's, that's great, and you should stand by <laughs> like your social connections and、yeah. stuff like that. But why does that necessitate? That that you're allowed to create progeny, only because you. Only, the only reason that like this is even like bad is because it's like who gets to decide, right? Yeah, it's it's such a nebulous topic. It's well, like there's no single authority over who、I've, decides who can breed. That's ridiculous. I've I've cursed my parents for their decision to make me. That's what everyone says. It's like <laughs> who did he even choose to live? But but、I、here mean, we are thinking like we're creating these blasted creations. You know, good things happen, though. Good things do happen. It worked out.、Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad I'm here now. I'm, I'm I've reached that conclusion <laughs> myself. <laughs> so, hey. But then again, we haven't faced the extinction event. <laughs> well, extinction events going to happen pretty pretty rapidly. So I don't think there will be much blame to go around there. Well, it's not always like a three day affair. Like、oh. the Permian extinction event, what happened there is Siberia. Like you know how you know how there's volcanoes. Yeah, 
Uh, volcanoes are caused by, because there's magma underneath all the dirt mm-hmm. and whatnot on the earth. And volcanoes are caused by little offshoots where, where there's a, where there's a buildup of pressure. Buildup of pressure and boom, and it all comes out. Yep. What happened during the Permian extinction event where it was basically the entirety of Siberia became a lava field. Like, like there was a crack open in the crust or something, mm. and the whole thing was just lava. And, yeah, it sucked to be on the lava because you got burned alive. But <laughs> also... That's a large space, too. Yeah, and lava gives off noxious gases. Yeah. So what happened there was uh, the entire Earth was poisoned slowly. Mm. So it's not always quick. You know, sometimes it's a... Well, uh, yeah. what's the As someone who's been poisoned slowly... In their car. Yeah, you've been... Well, that wasn't that slow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, you you catch on that it's happening, but it when it hits you, it's, you don't realize it. Well, that's carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> Who knows what Siberia volcanic land poisoning I couldn't like. tell you about that. Me neither. I have never been poisoned by a continent before. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have... This was a quite... We're rocking the fuck out of the... How long do we have to go here? Oh, we're about done. I mean, I guess we covered I mean, all we the... have stuff to go? No, we kind of covered everything. Okay. Um, we're an hour and a half in. Yeah. And what's our conclusion regarding, regarding eugenics? <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> our conclusion regarding eugenics is it's a touchy subject. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people who have talked about eugenics in the past who had no business talking eugenics, and they've totally ruined oh, man. the field. Eugenics is bad. Eugenics is bad. It's it's been ruined. Like like because you you would think it would be logical to like as a as a species to mm-hmm. like band together and be like okay, which how should we proceed given that we know there's an extinction event coming up? Yeah. Should we build bunkers? I mean, at the very least, we should be building bunkers. Right? Some sort of underground I mean, society. You don't know, because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the the event's going to be. Well, like, we're we're all pretty much banking on it being the sun's going to bake us alive, right? Probably. But, I mean, there's... I mean, we're already seeing all sorts of adverse weather events that are happening because of global warming. True. And, like, all the extinction events that I've heard of in my mind, well, which is two... <laughs> Uh, the Permian and the one that wiped out the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Both of those you could live through if you create an underground mole society. Yeah, because that's how mammals lived. Yeah, uh, through the Permian and through the through the dinosaurs' extinction. Is a lot of them were like little underground creatures mm-hmm. that were able to insulate themselves from the terribleness that was going on outside. You know. So that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, there's no telling that that Brahman and I's offspring wouldn't survive if we. I think burrowed underground, we would. Probably be kind of all right. Yeah, I think. Okay, that's my conclusion. That's the Scott Cast conclusion. Is that because okay. once once we reemerge, it's going to be like Ice Age, and then we're most adapted. Because Hitler is bad. Yeah. Because Hitler is bad, <laughs> we there there cannot be some decree saying who can breed with who. Agreed. And, and you should not be selecting your fuck who you want. Do what you want. Basically, like be well. No, not fuck who you want. You, there should be some consent. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck who will consent to fuck you. <laughs> Be consensual. Um, so we can't we can't touch that subject. Yeah. Uh, but we can be like, look, kid, uh, look at look at your mom, look at your dad. 
<laughs> we are, you can see the organs working inside of us because our skin is so translucent. Like, mm-hmm. you can see, like, the veins and yeah. the muscles and the, and the organs pumping and moving because mm-hmm. we're so translucent. That means the sun can attack us. You know what that means, kid? Your first gift is a shovel. You're learning how to dig. You're learning how to live underground. You're going to be mole boy. <laughs> like, that's your, like, as a parent, like, if I was a parent of mm-hmm. a super pale kid, that's what I would be doing. I'd be like, look, kid, this is your passion. Okay. You don't have room to podcast. You don't have room to play guitar. You don't have room to develop any kind of hobbies. You have room to create bunkers. So what you're saying... I'm going to create the, I'm going to create the only people that are going to survive through any extinction event. And they are going to end up ruling the world. Yeah. From underground. They're going to be the lizard people Illuminati of the future. Yeah. I knew I was going to get there. Because <laughs> they're going to be all pale and like, they're not going to be blind because like when you live underground for millions of years, like you lose sight and you lose all melanin because there's no need for melanin yeah. when you live in a bunker. Or living in an Everyone's just going to have rickets. <laughs> we just turn into rat, Nick and Mole rat people. Shovel That's Your Gift ended up being one of the most influential uh, episodes of ScottCast, reaching every corner of the earth. And in doing so, we popularized one of the most infamous aspects of Hamtramck, our uh, vigilante police force, the Hamtramck Avengers, which we will detail their origin story in this next clip. So I went to Cafe 1923, which is at downtown Hamtramck, yeah. Yeah. with a pad of paper. And I was going to think about how I was going to dress this and many other things mm-hmm. on ScottCast. I was sitting there in the cafe, uh, just enjoying my drink. It was just me and like three other dudes in this room that was kind of off from where people order drinks. Like, there's, like, this room it's like where people sit. like the back room with the, the books and the shop? Yeah, the books and all the chairs. Yeah. And so people go there, and that's where they have their drinks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then there was the front room kind of area where they had, you ordered your stuff, you know, paid your money, etc. Right. So I was just sitting there, hanging out, when all of a sudden I feel like a whoosh past me. And it's like, I had no idea what's going on. I looked up. And like there was nothing. And then the other three people looked up and they were like, Stop, thief! And they, all three of them jump up, sprint out the door, and all of a sudden I'm in this coffee shop all by myself. And and I have no idea what the hell's going on. Like, I wait, like, ten seconds just, like, staring around, like, waiting for, like, I don't know, someone to come from the other room being like, what just, where did they go or anything? Like, nothing. Mm -hmm. The place was dead silent. I was like, "Uh, okay. So I got up, walked to the front room to investigate what was going on. Everyone was just chilling, uh, still on their little Skype meetings, doing their little business thing. Uh, I didn't see the barista anywhere. Uh, turns out she was in the bathroom or something like that. She comes out, like, I'm about to ask her, do you know something that just happened here? And then these guys come in and they're like, all three of them, it's like the frickin' Avengers from Hamtramck. Look <laughs> 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 the Hamtramck Avengers coming in, the Hamtramck Justice League. And, and they're, and they're coming in, we got your tip jar. Oh, breathing heavily and all like heroes and the British is like, oh my god, thank you, thank you for the giving me the tip jar, oh my god. And like, cause she didn't know, she, she had no idea it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> this, this thief's main, this thief's main 
uh, mistake. Yeah. Was running. If he just walked out of that building, no one would have gotten their Spider-Man outfit on and chased him down. Because apparently they chased him. Go right out the front. He took the long way going through the... The back there. It did take the long way, and I actually... And he ran right by the fucking Avengers. <laughs> yeah, he ran right by the Avengers. I'm trying to make Avengers. <laughs> so these guys, they chase him down, and like then they're explaining what happened. And they're like, yeah, we chased him down, and then we tackled him against the dumpster. <laughs> what the fuck? I put money in that tip jar like five minutes earlier. <laughs> there was like seven dollars. <laughs> Less effort goes into finding a car that gets stolen. <laughs> She's like, "Oh my god, thank you, thank you." And, and like, I'm just thinking this whole time. First off, I'm thinking to myself, now I know something about myself. Mm-hmm. In a situation when, like, there's a call to action and it's like, it's, we're either men or your boys. Who's men? Who's coming with me? I'm the boy sitting back. <laughs> like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Because <laughs> these other three, it took no time at all for all three of them, total strangers, mm-hmm. like, all doing their own thing. Like, when I walked into that cafe and I, sat down i was like cool no one here knows each other it's going to be nice and quiet it's just going to be awkward silence between everybody like everyone's going to position themselves awkwardly so they're not staring right at somebody but not avoiding anybody kind of thing right and but but as when the call to action comes and and, and there's a thief to be stopped there's seven dollars to be regained <laughs> <laughs> these people turn into the fucking justice league the hamtramck avengers and 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 they tackle him against a dumpster to get his seven dollars. The seven dollars back. I mean, it's, I guess they don't know it was seven dollars. It could have been anything. It could have yeah. been. I think it was clear. It was a tip jar, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I guess it wouldn't be clear otherwise what it would be. Um, but my thought here is, you know, that's a if you're in such a position mm-hmm. where you need seven dollars so badly. That you will run faster than a moderate jog to get it mm-hmm. in general. Just take it. Just go. You know, this person running for their frickin' life for seven dollars mm. still somehow gets totally <laughs> 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 somehow that still doesn't work. And and here we are, we got these frickin' hipster superheroes standing standing in the middle of the hallway, framed by the light with their mm. hands on their hips. Looking all glorious and feeling proud of themselves for bringing that seven dollars back from that guy who needed to steal seven dollars. <laughs> you know they're feeling real good, but like and like and apparently this guy's limping away away from the away from the dumpster or something like that. I don't think they I don't think they webbed. They didn't him up. detain him. Yeah, they didn't detain him. <laughs> they got they had that he had that going for himself. They didn't get detained. But this is what I'm thinking is like, if we had a society, and I've heard this proposed elsewhere, and I don't know, I don't know the specifics behind it of how it would work. But you know what? This is where, this is where I might be coming on to something. Let's hear it. What if everybody in the nation was given universal basic income? Do you think we'd get people stealing tip jars? I don't think so. I think, 
I think if everyone had universal basic income and like everyone had like like you know a very scant amount to just kind of base off them, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be even livable. Like it could just be just well, it a little be bit. Livable. It should. Well, if it's universal basic income and like we're jumping right to it, yeah. Like maybe start slow. Like everyone gets five grand. Everyone gets ten grand. Everyone gets fifteen, twenty, eventually, and. I don't know what whatever the poverty standard is, or put it a grand above that, and you're good, right? Is that how money works? Well, I think the poverty standards haven't been uh, revised since like the '90s, so they're haven't kept up with inflation. It's like thirteen thousand for an individual. Uh, okay, so well, you know, do the math, <laughs> <laughs> figure out what a loaf of bread costs. You know, figure out what a loaf of pita bread costs for the gluten intolerant or whatever and uh get some uh get some equations done figure out a universal basic income mm-hmm. this way we don't have our hamtramck avengers wasting time chasing perps down the street tackling them against dumpsters over seven dollars yeah you know and that's what i think i think I, i've seen this proposed before i've i've heard people go on podcasts trying to sell books Mm-hmm. Um, saying that they've worked out all the math and all the details of it, and it would actually work. And then I've seen people on internet forums say that that person's a quack, and here's why. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Why not give it a shot? I think it's a good idea. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of programs out there that have run as pilots for kind of different aspects of that, and particularly one that comes to mind is for I want to say it was for. Um, I don't know if it was for drug addicts or for homeless people, but stable housing was a need. And when you provide housing, mm-hmm. like guaranteed stable housing, um, everything else gets better. Okay. Provide for that Maslow hierarchy shelter. Absolutely. Yep. And like get everyone kind of up to shelter and then everyone kind of, that's a great base for people to start. Yeah. Doing the rest of their Maslow hierarchy. You got to have a foundation. Right. And of course, not everybody launches, but if you get a good enough percentage mm-hmm. launching, it'll be totally, you know. Pays for itself. Pays for itself kind of situation. You know, you'll get people off of uh, all the other welfare programs, mm-hmm. whatever that is. If you don't like welfare programs, this is a way to yeah, do the, it. The revolving door of the criminal justice uh, programs. Yeah. That's really expensive. Yeah, it's, it's expensive. cheaper to just let people <laughs> you can live in a place. You think it's cheap? Stationing Hamtramck Avengers in every coffee shop. <laughs> those guys, those guys were just, those guys were so excited <laughs> when that guy ran. It's like, I didn't even catch their faces, but I bet a couple of them cracked a little smile when that happened. And you're like, yeah, let's go do this. No, look, it's like, does that happen these days? Are people that chivalrous over thievery? I'm kind of, uh, What's the word I want? I'm, uh... Impressed or, uh, uh surprised? I'm pleased that, that that's the thing that happened. The, the, the getting the, up and going to get yeah, it? Yeah, that people in this town care that much about $7 for their barista. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, I'm all for the barista getting her money. <laughs> the fact that other people will stand up for her. Yeah. That's what, that's what pleases me. You know, and I'm sure they didn't think it was a seven dollar thing i'm sure they thought it was a substantial thing or they thought you know even if it wasn't a substantial thing it's it was the that, morals of it. it's the morals of this of thievery yeah that they they decided to tackle this man against the dumpster <laughs> over 
<laughs> like the, that quick moral thinking is something I just don't have. Mm. I don't have that snap to it thinking. I don't have that snap to a judgment of people or things or situations, I guess. Maybe I do. And I, it's just, that just wasn't the case. You have to turn that on intentionally. Yeah. I have to turn like it on. Psychopath. Yeah. I was reading today. <laughs> I was reading today how, uh, in the BBC, they, they did some footage or they got some footage of some psycho brains, right? <laughs> <laughs> footage of psycho brains? <laughs> they put up, they put them in that, uh, big ass, uh, big ass machine and, uh, the, the fMRI or the CAT scan thing? Yeah, whatever it looks at brains. They did a, they did a little test to see if psychopaths could turn on their empathy rather than, uh, you know, and being, become, be incapable of expressing it. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that if they told psychopaths, uh, while watching videos of people getting harmed, which is like, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in this situation where you're like, you're sticking a psychopath in some small area and then forcing them to watch a bunch of violence right after that is like, okay, let me come over there. <laughs> Let me take those things off of you. That's what we call priming. <laughs> Psychopath's just like tapping his freaking fingers like, I just, I just want to be good. <laughs> but but uh, um, they found that uh, when they tell them, hey, why don't you give empathizing a shot, asshole? And they look at a guy kicking a dog or something, and like, they'll feel empathy. And that, and they'll, and they can scan it in the brain and there's, the mirror neurons are firing like, mm-hmm. like, like they want it. Like, cause apparently empathy is when your brain mirrors another brain's experience mm-hmm. in some ways, in some form of, hmm, I wonder how that feels kind of thing. And psychopaths famously do not have this ability or have the ability to just flip it on and like the standby is off. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think I might, be in a situation where my switch may not be off, but my switch is definitely selective here because I'm over here. This guy's stealing seven dollars, escaping, running far away, and the three guys get up and they're mm-hmm. like, "Stop that man!" Ah! And they run and they yeah. tackle him. Yeah, get the dumpster and get that money back. I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm not pro thief. Mm-hmm. I'm not anti barista. Yeah. But that weird vigilante tribalism. You're like, uh. I don't like it at all. You're looking for a balance there. What what do you mean? Like a rational balance, like kind of risk versus benefit of. It sounds like you're actually empathizing with the thief. Like he needs that $7. He's in a desperate situation. Way more than that barista. The barista didn't even know it was gone. Exactly. So, yeah, like, you're, like, uh, looking at it on a larger scale than maybe those guys were. They've got, there's, there's, um, oh, I can't remember who proposed it, but there's a theory about, um, like, moral stages, the stages of moral development. What's that? And most people, there's, like, five or six of them, and most people don't go past three or four. Okay. So it's like how we decide what's good and bad. And you got your little kids that mom and dad say that's good, that's bad, and that's that's what it is. Right. Because <laughs> they can't, uh, they don't have the capacity to reason beyond that yet. 
Yeah, they're too busy doing other shit. Um, and they get a little older, and it's ego takes over, and it's all about what's good for me. Mm-hmm. And so good I'm and bad. I'm definitely at that stage. Good and bad becomes about uh, consequences. Okay. So Reasonable. Taking the cookie isn't bad because mom and dad say it's bad. It's bad because uh, you don't get any TV at night, or you get it. The shit kicked out of you, or whatever. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> whatever happens, there's a consequence, and that's why it's bad. It's not because having, not because disobeying mom and dad. What's gonna happen? Is the TV off? Oh no! <laughs> Look around. Do you see a dumpster? Be careful. The Hamtramck Avengers might tackle you against it. And be careful. If they tackle you against it, you might end up in some really grody stuff. In this next clip, we talk about how uh, lactose intolerance may be uh, sending people into homeless recidivism or something like that. Well, check it out. And we got to we got to Chicago and we were hungry, and we went to a Mexican restaurant. Had a we ordered way too much food because mm-hmm. you know after travel everyone's hungry. Of course, and. So we got a big bag of food, and afterwards, uh, I was waiting for Sabal outside, and a guy came up, right, uh, asking for food, asking asking for help, kind of thing. He started yeah. out with like he showed me like these little he showed me this uh, little device that's supposed to charge Apple iPhone, mm-hmm. you know, the stupid headphones where it's where it's just a where it's just the bud. There's no wires. Yeah. Like, he showed me a charger for that. It was like, hey, this is, is this yours? Did you drop this? Like, um, of course I didn't. And, you know, and then he just transitioned right into asking for food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I have this, uh, I have this, uh, this, these leftovers we ordered way too much. There's like a full enchilada in here. Mm-hmm. And he was like, ah, oh, well, you know, man, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm lactose intolerant, you know, and I was like, oh, well, that's too bad, that's too bad, you know, like, yeah. and so I gave him some money, and he was like, oh, thank you, man, you know, it's just like, I'm so lactose intolerant, it's like every time I eat cheese, it just, my throat blocks up and all that, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's terrible, I don't know what lactose intolerant means. I just, Sounds horrible. Right? Uh, and, and so... so you, you looked it up later? <laughs> Well, Saval told me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not what happens when you have cousin tolerant. And I was like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I, you know, I gave him some money instead right. of, the, of the thing. And I was like, oh, just go get some food. Why not? Yeah. And so we went on and we kept walking. And we, I still had the food because he didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And another guy comes up. And I'm like, oh, finally, I can, I can pawn off this food. And I go to pawn it off on him, mm-hmm. and he starts rattling off the same speech about being lactose intolerant. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so this is a thing now. This yeah. is part of their script, I'm thinking, is that they claim lactose intolerance, or they claim some sort of food allergy when you offer actual food right. so that they can get money, for whatever reason. Right. You know, and so I was just like, oh. Jeez, I felt a little swindled. Man, I had uh, an experience in, like that in Hamtramck, actually. Oh, yeah? What happened? Um, well, I was going to pick up uh, a trashy pizza from Amici's. Okay. As good, one does. It's good pizza. And uh, there was a lady in that parking lot, like, between Yemen's and... Uh, what's the one that goes the other way? By, uh, by Polish Village there. That big public parking lot. So she stops me and she's like, oh, um, can you help me out? I got my 
I got four kids, and we're staying in the park. Staying in the park. <laughs> yes, you might have met this lady. This lady's been telling me that story for over a year. Yeah. Yeah, and like she, her house recently burned down. Yes. And she has a crazy ex. Yes. All the same details. She's been around for a long time. She's been around for a long time. She's been stopping me ever so, since I've lived here. As a as a good social worker, I was like, oh, I have all these resources I can share <laughs> with you. Have you tried this and this and this and this? And she's like, oh yeah, we, they told me it would be a week or two. I'm just waiting. I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll I'm on my way to Amici's. I will buy you a pizza to feed your children tonight. Right. And she's like, oh no, I just uh, I really need some money. So she didn't give me the lactose intolerance story. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been to Chicago. But maybe that's the problem. I mean, people assume, oh, you're on the streets, you're having a rough time, you're on drugs. Right. And you don't you don't want the food money because you just want it for drugs. Right. That's the, that's the immediate thing like that people think when, when, when that kind of thing's going on. But we need to evaluate this scientifically. Okay. Like how many people are actually on drugs, how many people yeah. are what? Like, how many people want money just because they want to buy their own food? Lactose intolerance is the primary cause of homelessness, and we just never caught on. I never thought of it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone just keeps giving these people cheese. Stop it. (laughs) Cheese is not the way to go. I mean, fucking think about it. Like, you got your dairy alternatives. How much does that shit cost? You got to go to Whole Foods to get that? Soy milk, stuff like that. It's like $20 a bottle or whatever the fuck. Right, $5 for like a half a gallon. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That'll bankrupt you. That'll put you on the streets. It would. It would. (laughs) That's a lot of money. (laughs) You know? So we need to evaluate this scientifically. We need a a proper research study to, to determine what the best approach is. Right, I, I agree. I, I mean, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you have an experience. Uh, you, you, like you come to this lactose intolerance thought a little bit quicker than I did. Like that, it's an epidemic and stuff like that. I thought just immediately, oh, well, it, it turns out in Chicago, people are right sensitive to to people's food allergies because everyone's gluten free, right? You know, whatever, gluten intolerant, all those kind of things. All those that would be a wise play if you were uh, manipulating for drug money, right? Right. Uh, so, like, but you have experience. You've seen. Uh, the other end of lactose intolerance <laughs> <laughs> in these populations, because you used to work in the in, in the diner that was the Jimmy John's that was featured in Batman vs Superman. That's correct. So I yeah, um, we had a particular alley between the Ford Building and the Penobscot Building where we threw our trash, and there were a number of homeless folk who also frequented that alley. And use that as their restroom because they weren't allowed to use our restroom because they weren't paying customers. <laughs> sure, sure. That's 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 one way a policy can bite you in the ass. <laughs> so, on more than one occasion, I was uh, confronted with with the excrement of of our our homeless population, and it tends to be pretty runny. Okay, so you've analyzed it. <laughs> So you have already conducted the studies, like. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's they're not having a healthy diet. I don't know if it's like dairy rich, and they're just like, Whoa, like maybe they did take some some leftover enchiladas, and they had a, a bad experience about that. Right. Highly I know. Possible. We we threw out a lot of like we would bake off like shit tons of bread every day 
for the lunch rush, and then whatever we didn't use, we threw out. Mm-hmm. And they they trolled our dumpster for the leftovers. The bread was not dairy free; it had both egg and milk. Okay, so that could be part of it. Maybe they they just ate a lot of Jimmy John's bread and they they got the runs. <laughs> I mean, if I was lactose intolerant, I wouldn't think not to eat bread. I mean, if you're homeless, like you gotta kind of gotta do what you gotta do. You eat what you get. Yeah. Right, which is which is part of why I'm a little skeptical about people who wouldn't take the right. giant enchilada, because you know you can always pick apart the cheese and like go for the inside. Because there's plenty of different kinds of food in an enchilada, and the sure. and the cheese is usually melted on top, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know food. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a stove. More on that later. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, yeah, you can you can pick around that. Right. Maybe so, they they looked at you and they were like, uh. I'm not eating anything this guy's eating. I can see that. I mean, I don't look like the healthiest <laughs> person in the world. <laughs> like, I'm trying to survive, sir. <laughs> I can't do what you do. <laughs> I don't know what kind of death witch you got, but I want to eat food that works for me. See, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, uh, we assume a lot about people's motivations, and we should maybe gather some more information about that before right. we make those judgments. Yeah, and I don't mean to virtue signal or whatever the hell the word is or whatever, however that goes, but yeah. uh, after this whole trip, I when I was back home and I went to a gas station, I went to the gas station over by uh, the interstate, um, and, and there was this guy, you know, same thing. Called, yep. called me over and stuff like that. But he was telling me about how people, about how the owner was like uh, saying, oh, you shouldn't be asking people here. We're going to have to, we're going to have to call the cops on you mm. and stuff like that. So I, was, I just felt bad for the guy. So I, all that learning, I just gave him money anyway. Yeah. And here's how I justified it to myself. Okay. So I want to have to experience cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. from going, getting swindled in Chicago, being like, oh, I should be more careful to, to literally the next time someone asks me, yeah. I'm like, here's my money. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, like, let's say, let's say 99 people out of 100 are swindling you for straight up meth. You know, let's go crazy right. and say okay. that's the case. You know, hypothetical, odds are that's not the case. But, like, if I was that one person, Mm-hmm. Who just really needed a sandwich? Yeah, and going around asking for money, stuff like that. Like, like, how fucked would I be if everyone in the world that would was be like, awful? Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the world thought I was part of the meth head, and that's probably not far off from where we're at. Because I mean, right? Even people who are well off are committing fraud and fucking you every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, my thought of it was is like. It's not my responsibility what this guy does with the money I give him. Right. He can go and buy meth. He can go and buy food. It's his responsibility to make a decision that'll do something to help him out. Right. Or do something to his detriment. And, like, all I'm doing You're is giving, giving him the, the opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. So that's how I justified it to myself. Okay. And then I got to Meyer and realized I didn't have enough money. <laughs> <laughs> and I started asking everybody. <laughs> And that, that's the end of our best of episode. We've got some plenty of good content for you out there. And these are just a few clips that we could gather real quickly 
so that we can familiarize the masses with Scott Cast, so they don't have to go through over 40 hours of entertainment to get to the best stuff. But now that you have gotten to the best stuff, be sure to check out episode 41, where we outline the rules and laws of Scott Cast City. And be sure to check out episode 42 when it airs, where me and David are going into an isolation tank and seeing if we go insane. Alrighty, Scott Castigators, uh, have a great time. Sign up for Scott Cast at uh, www.scottcast.us. We're on the iTunes Store, we're on Spotify, we're in anywhere you can find podcasts. And uh, please tell your friends, shop the Scott Cast shop. And be kind to your neighbors. Alrighty. Uh, from the best of us in Sunnyham Tramick, Michigan. See you later, Scott Castigators. <laughs> <laughs>